Welcome to the Locum Strategist Podcast. I am your host, Simon Parsons, and I thank you for joining me here today. On this episode, I wanted to talk about how it feels to not get confirmed and what you can do about that. The reason why is I think that it can be kind of frustrating or deflating if you are a physician, you're looking for Locum's work, and if you're working with a recruiter that hasn't properly explained to you all the things that must go on behind the scenes to line up for you to get a confirmation. So I'm going to give you uh, some insight into that. and It's going to help you feel a little bit better about it because I know it can be absolutely deflating. I know that there's physicians that aren't getting proper expectations set by their locums recruiter and they go in thinking, oh, I'm going to have all the success. This is going to be great. I'm going to be making some extra money through locums. And then they get presented four or five, six times and they haven't seen the results that they were hoping for or expecting because those expectations weren't laid out. And I don't want you to feel like that. I want you to understand that sometimes locums, it is kind of a numbers game. I don't like using that term very often. I try to be very strategic, very tactical, but at the end of the day, there are a lot of things that need to line up behind the scenes. And the worst thing is if you're feeling deflated by it, then you're not putting, then you're starting to second guess yourself. You start to wonder if it has something to do with you and it really can make it hard for you to have success with locums. But um, without further ado, I'm going to dive into all the things that need to line up on the backside. In fact, I'm not going to even share all of them. I'm just going to share with you some of the most common things that need to be lining up. And then also on top of that, uh, I think it's good to know that some of these can be changed. Some of these can be modified, and that's what's cool. Some of them cannot be modified, but uh, when I give you this list, it'll give you some much better insight into what makes for a confirmation. And again, I want you to stay the course. If you're starting out doing locums, you know it's a process, just like anything, building a new job or building a uh, business, it takes time and sometimes there needs to be some foundation work that is done. Once you do start seeing success, then you'll start to see it multiply. Things will come a lot easier after you've had your first confirmation, especially because a lot of times like you'll start to get you know, street cred, so to speak. You'll have locums assignments under your belt and hopefully your recruiter is articulating that in their marketing when they're trying to get you jobs. They're letting other people know that hey, this physician has worked with our company before. They had a great assignment. The client had really good things to say about them, really good feedback. They've been responsive with paperwork. So those are a few things that you can do after you've started to have some success with locums and make sure that your locums recruiter is doing a good job, not just sending out your CV, but also being proactive when it comes to the marketing part of it. Okay, I'm gonna dive in. Uh, the first thing I would say that has to line up is the license, right? If the license is too far out, for example, if you are applying for a job, and you don't have a license in that state, you're automatically going to be lower on the list. Now, some clients, depending on the need, depending on the supply or demand of the job and the physician, may be open to get, allowing you to get a license to putting one in place while you're working on getting credentialed for the job. Now, here's the thing, though. Any physician that has a license in hand is much more likely to have preference over other candidates because a lot of times clients have been burned by this. They've thought, well, we have like three months before this assignment starts. That should be plenty of time. And then one thing led to that maybe the doctor wasn't responsive or the board was taking too long, or maybe there was some type of uh, red flags that were in the file, but it ends up push, pushing them over. And then, you know, last minute they don't have coverage. And so that can burn a client and it can um, really put them in a bind. And so they might may have had a bad experience with that in the past and not be willing to look at somebody who has a license in hand. If 
fact, even today I had that scenario uh, pop up. I have a physician that I'm working with. They won't even look at her because she doesn't have a license in hand. The job is 10 weeks out. We can get her the IMLC letter of qualification in less than two weeks. And then the license, everything done in less than three weeks. And they're going to miss out on a really good candidate because they simply have the requirement of having the license in hand. Now, there's plenty of time to make that happen. I have no concerns. I'm very confident around that situation. But uh, as you can see, that's what a lot of clients do is they want to have a license in hand. So that's one factor that goes into it. The IMLC is definitely a game changer. It makes it much easier if you have a letter of qualification. If you live in a state that uh, is part of the IMLC compact and you have that letter of qualification in hand, that's very, very, a lot of clients are very flexible with that. So um, best case scenario is license in hand. Second best uh, scenario is to have the IMLC and being pre have the letter of qualification in hand and being presented for a job that is part of that, or excuse me, in a state that is part of the, the compact. Okay, the next thing is availability. Uh, a lot of times there's some gray area in there. There's the ideal schedule that they would like to, to, to fill, and then the physician might not exactly match. But if there's a candidate that has availability that matches exactly with what the client needs, that's going to take priority. A lot of times they won't have that. There won't be a fit and there might be some give and take on either side. But uh, if you're being presented for a job and your availability is pretty good, but you can't cover all the sets, you know, sometimes I see this situation where there's eight sets available and the physician can only cover one of those. And it, does, it doesn't make sense to credential somebody. There's gonna be a lot of work on everybody's part with the client and their credentialers, with comp health, with the physician. And so it might not just be worth it if, if you have very little availability. Now, if you can do you know, 50% or more of those sets, it's probably worth looking at, but that also depends. If they have eight other candidates that can do all of the sets, then it doesn't make much sense to bring somebody on. But if they are not getting the candidates that they need, then they can look at splitting up those shifts and bringing on two different or maybe three physicians to fill that need. Uh, the next thing would be the skill set, right? They have their ideal skill set that they want. That's a wish list. And sometimes there's the must-haves and other times there's the nice to haves. So with, let's take for example, a trauma surgeon, you know, the wish list could be that they have a board certification in sur surgical critical care, but the physician has, you know, 20 years of trauma experience, but never did the fellowship. Sometimes they might be flexible on that. It could be the, what they would like to have is the critical care fellowship or board certification, but they're willing to take a physician who has that skill set, who's been doing it for that long of a time. I love having clients that are flexible. And again, that's unique to the job, but that could be another factor that comes into play. Next up is malpractice history. This is what's interesting because ideally everybody wants to have a clean record and in the real world, somebody who's been in practice for 30 years, it's a good possibility that they have some malpractice. They, maybe they've had a pending case that was dismissed. Maybe they have something that is pending out there that has not been closed out. And maybe they've had a few cases or a few settlements. And that will definitely come into play. And I always tell my physicians that if you have two people who are identical on paper, they're both a good fit. They both have licenses in hand. They both can do the sets that are needed but one of them has zero malpractice and the other one has about, 
5,000, you know, which is a very, very low amount, but let's say they have 5,000. Typically, the one with no malpractice will get a closer look than the other surgeon. And that's that's just saying that all things are considered being equal other than the malpractice. So definitely the lower, the better. That does come into play. Rates are another thing that come into play too. Obviously, everybody wants to get a good rate. The surgeon wants to make some money and feel like it's worth it. The clients want to spend as little as they need to, but sometimes there's more flexibility than others. And then the locums company definitely wants to make their cut as well. So what I look for is a win for all parties. I want to make sure that there's a win for the client, there's a win for the surgeon, and there's a win for my company. And usually I can find that, right? Sometimes you can't, but it's, you know, that's where we're, we're probing, where we're negotiating. A lot of times people look at negotiation as this push and pull. If you win, I lose. If I win, you lose. It does not have to be like that. And I always try to go into it with a win-win-win mindset. And it's either there or it isn't. We talk about it. I'm not trying to like, you know, bid high, you know, because I know that they're going to go in the middle. I like to be very transparent and work with the people that, um, you know, work as best as I can with the people that are involved in that situation and find a win for all parties. But again, rates will come into play if, if there's three candidates that are at, you know, $2,000 a day and one of them's at twenty-five dollars or $3,000, that that person that's the outlier will most likely get bumped to the bottom of the list. And I think sometimes the locums reps aren't explaining this to the physicians that you might get priced out or what the competition looks like. For me, I I try to be in the driver's seat. I'm not telling the surgeons what they need to do, but I act as an advisor. I'll let them know what the competition is, what's the like, you know, what what is the rate where there's the biggest sweet spot? Because I have that type of data. I can see like what rate gets the highest confirmation? We don't need to stick with that rate, but I will let them know about that. And so that could be a good question for you to ask. What does it look like with you know, the rates that you're asking for compared with other physicians or other companies that are presenting doctors for that same job? Um, here's another thing that comes into play, and that kind of goes in line with rates, is the other candidates. You know, how, how thick is the candidate pool? Like if the company's working with a bunch of agencies and those agencies are each, you know, maybe there's five agencies working the job and they each send five different providers, that could be a pool that's 25 uh, people deep. And that's something to consider because if you, you know, I'll talk with physicians that are like, you know, they, they're commanding high rates and then they're wondering why they're not getting confirmed and there's simply, you know, enough people that are, uh, presented as candidates for that job, that it makes them difficult to stand out or compete with other, when, you know, the, the mean of the candidates that are being presented is so much lower than what that physician is expecting or wanting. And while he may feel he's worth it, that's great. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it just might not be in the market to be able to make that number happen. So candidates is a good thing to know. And, and that's something you can ask your recruiter about how, how many people are being presented from that locums company that you're working with? And, and hopefully they can have an idea of how many locums agencies are working on that job. But that should give you a little bit of perspective around it. Uh, here's another one that comes into play is proximity to the facility. Typically, if a physician can drive in for an assignment, that saves some money for the client so they don't have to fly somebody in from around the country. And it also could potentially help fill gaps that are a little bit smaller. Like if there's a local physician that lives 15 to 30 minutes away, that person might get higher um, 
might get higher priority because they could potentially come in and fill smaller sets and then also save the client on um, rather than flying somebody across the country or halfway around the country. Uh, if they have somebody who can be driving in that's local, it makes a lot of sense. So that might affect how you are ranked as far as candidates. Uh, here's another, here's another important one is decision-making process. So that can look completely different depending on what hospital or what system it is. Sometimes there's a large chain of command, which make definitely makes things a lot more complex. Sometimes there's a physician who is the decision maker as well. And that's, that's usually the best case scenario. If there's a physician that does the schedule that, it, you know, has the ability to buy the administration to be able to book out locums, that can be a really good situation. And we see that quite often. And what's even nice, uh, what's even better about that is sometimes when we get a locums in and they are working with that physician, they've made a good impression. I talked about this on a previous episode about some ways to create your future once you get in and being proactive about letting them know that you'd be interested in returning. But we love it when there's a situation where there's a good rapport between you know, a physician that is handling the schedule and has the ability to book out locums and the physician that we see there. If there's a good uh, synergy, then a lot of times they can put the deals together. They can coordinate with each other on the schedule and let us know, and then we can put everything together for them. So decision-making process can also look really tough. You know, there may be too many people in that, uh, I guess too many cooks in the kitchen is how one of my physicians likes to say it. And sometimes there's there's not a, a good alignment. Maybe like the administration only allows for so much money to be allotted towards locums and the people on the floor that are actually doing the work, they need a lot more help than what administration is approving. But this is why things can take so long to come to a decision. There's a lot of stuff in play. Now, the last one that I think is really important is your locums recruiter. You've got to make sure that they are on point, that they are sharp, that they know the game, that they have experience because that makes a difference. If you are working with somebody who is just getting started or maybe even in their first one to three years, they might not have the confidence to be pushing or pulling on some of those levers that can make a deal move forward. So one thing about me is I'm, I'm very confident in what I do and I will, you know, I'm, I'm here to help my physicians make money and I am their advocate. So I'm very, very vocal about moving things forward. The other thing is, is I like to find out if this isn't a solid deal. You know, if this job has too many candidates and my person is not going to be considered, I want to move them on to something else as soon as possible. So I'm always being very proactive about finding out where the deal is at. I don't just present a physician and then just let it sit there and hope it comes together. I'm very proactive about being in uh, in touch with the people who are part of that process and seeing where things are and trying to move that deal forward. Uh, I just think that an inexperienced recruiter does not have that uh, confidence to be able to do that. A lot of times they're afraid to push on deals because they think they're going to fall apart and that might affect their commission. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's like I like to know if this is going to happen or if it's not going to happen or what the next steps are. So I'm always trying to find out what we can do to move that deal forward. So again, I'm going to repeat all the things that come into play that are major factors as far as a decision. Uh, license, availability, skill set, malpractice history, the rates, other candidates that are presented to that job, proximity to the facility, the decision-making process, and the locums recruiter. So 
right there, I listed nine different factors and there certainly are more that I have not listed here, but I hope that gives you some context and some confidence to not worry about it if you're not getting uh, confirmed right away. As long as you feel good with your locums recruiter and you know that they're good with making things happen, if they have experience in the game, they're going to know the they're going to know these factors as well. So just make sure that you feel confident with who you're working with. Make sure they are looking out for your best interest and they're trying to make things happen for you because like I said it's very easy to get deflated if you have been presented uh, several times and you're not seeing any results from that. I just wanted to share this message with you so that you don't feel like you are the problem or that the system does not work. That is not the case. It's just there's so many pieces that need to come together to create a good confirmation. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please share this with somebody who could use this message and I would love it if you'd leave a rating for me. It just takes a second. All you need to do is pull out your phone and just uh, drop some stars on this. Thanks so much and I'll catch you on the next episode.